You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday afternoon, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassoon Securities in Johannesburg. And David, you know you're getting on a bit when you start an interview by saying, well, it's the first day of the first trading day of the first week of the month of October, <laughs> and it's the first day of the final quarter of 2021. Where did this year go? But I have to say it, I mean, it has disappeared, hasn't it? I mean, here we are, o- October, for goodness sake. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's been a tough year. It hasn't been an easy year. Um, because every day uh, there's been something to worry about. And, and I'm talking mainly about vaccinations and various other issues in the global economy. I think, in fact, for the past two years, I don't think there's been one, uh, one easy day. You know, it's, it's been very, very difficult and very tiring. And suddenly you realize um, we're one and a half years, you know, we're in uh, almost to the second year of COVID. And uh, the stress is there, but it's, it's, it has gone. I mean, we've survived it, but uh, it's taken its toll. And, and I think it's catching up with all of us. And, you know, you can see it in markets. They were dreary, weary, um, very dull. No one can see our way out. I think everybody just needs a good break, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, move away. And when I look at the volatility that we're going through now, it's quite insane. You know, when, when, when I see what, what's happening in markets, it's so difficult at the moment that I think um, if we could get a year in, I would take it. You know, if we were able to say, listen, I want to go on a holiday, et cetera. But still, things are not that easy. But as you go into the so fourth quarter, yeah. if, as you go into the mm. fourth quarter, you must have had a good year, mm. David, because you've stuck with your winners, mm. haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've stuck with them. But, but even so, it's, uh, it's still a very sensitive quarter. And the one thing we, you know that you can give up your gains very fast. You know, something can happen that um, whatever, whatever you've put, uh, whatever you've secured, you know, can be given up very fast. So um, we, we still live in, in, in worry about what does lie ahead. And markets are jittery. And the more, the more stuff that I read, the more bearish I realize uh, commentators and analysts are. Um, I can't find any um, in, in, any analyst, you know, that's um, bullish and sees things a lot better. I think everybody is very cautious at the moment. So uh, we just have to negotiate it. You know, we have to just see our way through this. I wish I could find an oil analyst, David, because I can't find. I mean, I used to have a couple uh, that I would could phone up, and they would say, "Well, yeah, we're we're doing this, we're doing that," and they were they were proper oil men, you know, old good old fashioned oil men and women. But now I, I can't find anyone to adequately explain why the West Texas Intermediate uh, oil price, the WTI crude, is today up three and a quarter percent to seventy eight dollars thirty six. Why is Brent crude? $82 a barrel, I, as I speak, it's $82 a barrel. This is ex- well, astonishing. You know, the OPEC have agreed on 400,000 barrels a day. Maybe the market was thinking, because the oil price is high, that they're going to let more out yeah. and increase production. But I don't think they want to. I don't think they can. You know, we don't know what shape the oil producers are in. You know, whether they've got the capacity, because we know one thing is that they haven't invested in further capacity. So whether they've got the capacity to let go or not, I don't know. But I would imagine there are a lot of reserves out there that could be released. 
But I think there again, everybody's a bit nervous to do so. So it's a, it's, it's a difficult market. Um, from our point of view, from the local point of view, we don't realize uh, Brent at 81 and the Rand at 15, it's suddenly a big story from a year ago when, <laughs> you know, when things were the opposite way around. Um, so I don't know. I must actually go and do my charts to see what, what this does mean, but that's not moving in the right direction. And if you look at, if you look at some of the commodity prices, they're also going the wrong way for us. So <laughs> oil's going the wrong way for us because we imported and the things that we export are also going the wrong way for us. You know, they're coming down. And, and, and our market hasn't really responded to that. There was there was a result from Afrimat today. I don't know if you picked I that up. I saw their trading update early this yeah. morning, yes, and I saw that their headline earnings per share and a couple of other of their metrics were going to be between, I can't remember, 58 and 63% mm. higher than the previous comparable period, mm. which is a massive move, isn't it? Yeah, but the only problem is that if you look through it, they um, they made their money from – from from iron ore you know they they started in aggregates it's a very good business and very well run and they moved away from from digging aggregates out you know that's the stuff you mix with cement and uh, various other stuff like that in in the building industry and went into contract mining and bought some iron ore uh, mines and that was great now the results that we saw for the end of august on which they're commenting on was at a time that the iron ore price was significantly higher than it is. You know, mm. iron ore only started to drop in September or thereabouts. So you've got a you've got a you've got a result which reflects iron ore being sold, I don't know, two hundred dollars a ton or whatever it is. We're now half that. Mm. And so I'm saying, hold on, Efrimat, you know, you're not going to get the same price and yet the shit Shares were up about four and a half percent. Well, the thing is about so Afrimat, David, mm. is that they've got three divisions, and all three divisions did mm. well. And mm. so, what that tells yes. me is that they're okay. So, perhaps the iron ore um, uh, results mm. in the next half won't be as good, and def- well, actually, definitely won't be unless the Rand does something silly. But they are diversified, and that's the clever thing about the Afrimat management. They said, okay, iron ore, let's have a go at this one, and the aggregates and the other one will uh, will, mm. will still do well. So, it's well, a nicely diversified portfolio they have well i don't know whether they can make the same kind of profits from the aggregates that they can from iron ore no uh we see you know i'm just sensitive to this because i can't get the cycle right you know i can't get it uh it just i you know i i can't get my spreadsheets not that i do them i can't get my thoughts right so well what is going to happen you know what is going to happen with when our platinum prices are 960 and so on. We, we did very well. Our tax numbers that came out today show a huge increase in tax collections. The only problem is that half of it or two-thirds of it was wiped out by uh, what the government had to spend on, uh, on, 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 on the problems down in Natal. The cost there was just so enormous. So you get, you know, you get that in the economy. Now we don't know what the, what's going to happen this next half and the, the half thereafter as well. But our markets, I mean, it's, it's – Lindsay, the hardest thing is to try and uh, understand because one day you get everything going up 3%, the next day everything's going down 3%. So when you look at prices today, we were building up some nice momentum in, in uh, Aspen. All of a sudden that's starting to go the other way. There was some nice momentum going up in Bala World. That's starting to go the other way. You know? And so that's how our market goes. You know, we, 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 we get this upward push 
and then all of a sudden kind of reverses and goes down, and then other shares take the leadership and they start going up. So it's 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 been a I don't know it's been such a difficult period. You know, it's not it 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 hasn't been unidirection. It hasn't been those kind of booms where everything just moves with you. You know, it's been all over the place. Tell me about the tax receipts, yeah. David, because um, is, it, yeah. is it mainly the mining industry? Is it mainly corporate South Africa in that space? In other words, the diggers that have done well, and that's why the coffers have been boosted. Um, yes, yes. I would imagine that's where the collections have been, hmm. mainly on the big, big mining receipts that they've got from companies like um, – you know, like, like Anglo Platts, like the platinum mines, mm. Kumba. Mm. You know, that's where it has. I would imagine the coal mines have done pretty well as well, but I don't think they, they come anywhere or measure, uh, anywhere close to the size of the, of the platinum miners. And we've had spectacular numbers coming out of there. So I would, that, that's where they're coming from. But, uh, I, you know, just talking to, um, just talking to analysts at, uh, in a presentation last week, you know, that was their fear. Um, they were still negative on on uh, Anglo-American. And uh, when I asked them why, you know, Anglo-American's big receipts come mainly from iron ore and platinum, both of which uh, metals have, have, have fallen quite a lot. And and that was their look. And, and I said, they said, you know, that Anglo 75% comes from iron ore and PGMs. The company's company managers are a lot more outlook, but they see – you know, huge downside in in kind of PGMs over the next few years. They might stabilise as 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 uh, motor production picks up, but uh, overall, you're going to see lower you know lower demand for uh, you know for platinum. And and I would suppose that that iron ore as well. If you look at the three-year projections for iron ore, they're now around about the hundred level. You know, um, so until China comes back into the market, which I don't think they're going to do, because a lot of a lot of iron ore demand is steel, which is used in building, and we can see that side slowing down as well. So I think maybe our markets have just run a bit of a head, head of themselves. But, but uh, you know, markets must do what they must do. I'm not, I, I'm not <laughs> going to get in the way of this steam train. You know what I mean? I'm not going to stay there and say, hold, you know, let, what, let it go. Right. Mm. Well, let's, I, I know what you do every weekend, apart from, like me, watch football matches and, um, and, and rattle around in your apartment. Um, do you, did, did you, um, did you read anything? I know you love to read The Economist I, on the Saturday. What, I did. What, what articles I did. did you find? Cause I, I, you know, I saw one that stood out for me from The Economist. What did you see? Well, there were two that stood out for me. The one was on China and the other is on the UK market. Yes. And that's, that's worth reading because that was a bit of a scary article and, uh, they touched some very exposed nerves because, the UK market is almost, or South African market, put it this way, is almost a replica or a proxy for the UK market. Um, and what they were, what they, what they highlighted is just how London has lost its glamour and attraction as a as a head. You know, we're talking mainly the equity markets, not the other markets. And to a large, you know, to a large extent, is that they're not raising the money. They haven't got the IPOs, in other words, the new listings, and that other markets are she, are, are showing. And a lot, the reason for that is just because they've got no exposure to tech. And they published a chart there which showed just how little technology they have versus what's happening in the Hang Seng and what's happening in the U and the U.S. markets, where tech is now making up, you know, forty percent. 
of the market cap, and it's I think it's probably one percent in the UK. And what is the UK markets are just made up of uh, of old economy stocks, financials, um, mining or energy, consumer stocks, and that, but nothing. That's going to drive investors to come to it. This is so what, it, it was a, this, mm. this, over the last few days. What has interested me is that Sainsbury's, um, well, not Sainsbury's shares. That was just just today, but uh, last week everyone's been talking about Morrison's. I've never even been in a Morrison shop before, but I mean it's apparently a very well-run retail chain. It's a grocery store essentially. They've just been bought um yeah. for but- just under 10 billion US dollars okay mm. um they edged out a, a soft bank division uh, to buy it the company's called CDNR and now the, the fortress which is the company uh, that's owned by SoftBank uh, lost out to them by 1 p, 1p per share um they they're going to um, they're going to start looking at Sainsbury's now so Morrisons could go and it goes to private equity mm. well it has mm. gone to private equity um and Sainsbury's will, will go as well, potentially. Maybe they're even saying that Marks and Spencer's at some stage is going to get snapped up. And the reason I like this story is because I think that the next one to go in South Africa is going to be a retailer. I think that somebody yep. is going to come for, for pick and pay or whoever mm-hmm. else it is. Obviously, you can't do, they can't do the, the spa story, but they could, they could have a look at Checkers ShopRite and they could look mm-hmm. at um, mm-hmm. pick and pay. And I think pick and pay might be the one. What do you think? Look, it's it's not outside of um, some foreigner's pocket, and they very well run business. They're not going to lose money, and if they can do it on terms in which they can finance, you don't want to go the Edgar's route. You know, you don't want to go that kind of route of a of a um, what do you call it? A you know um, private equity buyout, which is a leverage buyout. But, I mean, as businesses, they are very solid operations. I can't fault our retailers in any way. And I, I, I'm, we've, we've discussed this, and we almost discuss it, we discuss it almost every week. Yes. I think that South African businesses, you know, uh, are, are, are relatively cheap because they don't reflect the intrinsic capital. What would you call it? The intellectual capital. Yes. The huge number of years they've been operating. I can't. I, w- I wish I could remember the phrases. You know that that knowledge that is embedded in so many people that work there. You know that experience. You can't start a business, and you couldn't start a pick and pay uh, tomorrow and 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 compete. You know, uh, there's years and years of experience embedded in those kind of businesses, and that's not reflected in so many of our operations. And I have no doubt that 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 along the way, either private equity is going to come calling, hmm. or alternatively, uh, um, some buyer from overseas. You know, I think you're right. I I wish we knew which ones to go for. You know, I'd, I, 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 do you know what I mean? I, I wish we knew what. Uh, you know what we could actually buy. I would look at the uh, I, I would look at the food companies. I'd look at Tiger Brands mm. and I'd look at one or two yeah. of the uh, yeah, of the yeah. grocery stores. That's that was that is where I think people will be circling uh, because if everyone yeah. suddenly says, "Wait a second, retail is the flavour of the month," and people are snapping up retailers because mm. of the bounce back uh, in the world's economy and potentially a bounce back in mm. the, Afri- the African retail mm. spend, then I just think it's just it's a, it's a no brainer. That'll be the next yeah. one. Yeah. So, Interesting. I don't. I, it's, it's you know you've got to keep talking. Mm. I think you'll find. Uh, I, I, I think there are going to be more stories, and that's what's happened in the UK as well. You know, you know companies are not coming on. I think if anything, they're going off. Um, so, 
What what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm I'm I keep going through accounts and trying to find, um, you know, attractive ways to come into the market, attractive uh, just just propositions here in our market. Overseas, I, I, it, it's quite interesting. I was asked a question about the fangs and you know because we're going through a little bit of a rough period at the moment. And I was asked a question, and I kept saying, how do you explain it to clients? And, uh, and I said, you know, I looked at Amazon because Amazon's been flat for the year. And, I mean, it's a superb business. And you ask yourself, is this the highest that Amazon's going to be? Uh, do you know what I mean? In, right. in, in other words, is this, do you think this, this company is going to go um, any higher? And of course it's going to go higher. Their profits are going up all the time. And eventually you get these periods where, um, you know, the share price will respond to whatever the underlying earnings are. So you get these periods where you have to wait for the earnings to catch or share, you know, the earnings to catch up with the share price and then it blows off again. And, and I'm taking that, that attitude with a lot of businesses, you know, a lot of the tech companies at the moment saying, look, just wait. The company, the profits are there. Um, even though there's a bit of a downturn in the market, it's, it's, it's simply that we had run so far ahead. Just wait, just be patient. But it's easier to say it than to actually convince clients, you know, who measure their wealth on a minute-to-minute basis now. You know, they can. So <laughs> that's our problem is actually trying to manage the, the mindset of, of people who are invested, no matter how many books they read, let's see. No matter how many books they read of people who have made money and who tell them just to, you know, stay the journey. They Believe me, every day they – Oh, market up. Oh, market down. You know. <laughs> Do you know how many books I've got on my shelf that I've, I've read about or seen a, a feature mm. on them on TV or something? I think, ooh. Mm. I just go to my phone. I go into the app. I press a couple of buttons, and before you know it, it it's on its way. Do you know how many I've read? Probably about 10, yeah. 10% of no. them. 10% of them, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just like the idea. They're pretty boring books, I mean. You've got to be a real student to get through all of them. No, it's just you know, a- unless there's a story like Michael Lewis's, uh, what was it? Um, you know, some of his stories about uh, no, the bond market. I'm not talking about financial yeah. market books. I, 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 I uh, find financial uh, market overall. books are just, yeah. just, just the most crushingly boring things. What I do <laughs> is I buy these books and I think, you know what, I'm an intellectual now because I've just bought a book. It's like going to the gym. How many gyms I've joined in my life and actually only been twice? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But I feel fit because I've joined the gym. <laughs> I, I understand, you know, that's, that's me as well. Like you get into bed and you start reading a night and after two or three pages, you just nod off. Exactly. And that's it, you know, and you've got a, you've got about 400 pages to get through. And then by the time you've gone through a hundred or fifty pages, you start getting boring. So this is going nowhere, you know, and it's, unless, unless there's some compelling stories about some rogues. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that, those are kind of things, yeah. Well, you know a few. You've known a few rogues in your time. You should be. Putting, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, should, you should be yeah. putting a book out. I'll co-write. I'll, I'll, I'll ghostwrite it for you, and then afterwards I'll, I'll get someone to ghost read it for me. <laughs> David, um, let's, let's talk. About, otherwise, what else? What else are you seeing? You're going into the fourth quarter. You'd you'd like the year to end now. Is the sentiment yeah. that I gleaned from you exactly. earlier on? So you, mm. you're not really putting mm. any more money on on the table. You're just sitting no. back a bit, are you? No, I'm not. We're not doing anything at the moment. I don't. It's just the wrong time. You know, it it doesn't feel right. Let's see what happens. The earnings are going to come out. I want to see how the earnings are. We positioned with most a lot of clients. We well positioned, but I'm not going to 
uh, you know, it's too uncertain to try and do anything now. We hear, you, you know what the kind of market, uh, Mohammed el comes out over the weekend or on Friday and he's talking about inflation and he's got very much the same story we've been talking about. Is it transitory or not? Gives a very articulate explanation of if it becomes embedded, then it's not transit, transitory. And then everybody's fearing this new word now called stagflation, mm. which is nothing more than then prices going up and growth going the other way, or alternatively, prices going up and and inhibiting any growth. So now the big fear is now from inflation to stagflation. So you've got these kind of worries now circulating, and 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 it, it keeps people away from from the market. You know, the market I can see the market doesn't want to go up. Nobody wants to come in and buy it, and you know, in that kind of um, in, in that kind of mood, just let it run. Just stand back, keep in keep in touch with the stories, read the results that are coming through, understand Afrimat comes through, understand how they made their money, um, and 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 so on. But it's a very I find it a very difficult time to do anything. I also think it's a difficult time to trade. You know, it's a very difficult time. I, I, you'd probably be better to be bearish or or short the market than maybe long the market for the meantime. But it doesn't look like uh, you know there's any real push to get the market from you know, from these levels. I think a little more weakness is needed. So yeah, it, it's 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 like that on our market on the on the JSC. I'm saying it's uh, um, it's also very. You know, very, very volatile. I see we're having a good day today, mainly on the miners seem to be going up. It could be the rand or it could be the oil price. Because you know, I, I didn't see anything in the, in, in, in the, in the um, commodity prices to get me excited. Of. No, but I mean, does seem to Sassel, be a, obviously. Mm. Sassel doing very well. Yeah. Uh, that's, um, that's, that's the one that really stands out today. But it's an interesting conundrum for central banks. If the oil prices and the natural gas price uh, continues to go up, and therefore that's inflationary, as we know. And mm. uh, on the other hand, it crimps economic activity. So what does a central bank do? Does it say, well, I need to boost economic activity so I cut rates, but if I cut rates, uh, that goes against the in inflation story. So what do they do if there is a sort of a minor stagflation scenario playing out here? I, you, you, you know what? You know what? I, I was thinking this through. I think it's not the right time to to do anything. I think I think central banks must just, you know, just uh, pay back. Uh, and stand back. They, 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 they took us into this. Uh, or let's put it this way. Governments took us into this health crisis. And it's, it wasn't an economic crisis. It wasn't a financial crisis. We went into a health crisis. The, there was nothing wrong with the companies. They weren't, uh, you know, there was no one that was extraordinarily overborrowed. There were no householders that were borrowed. In other words, it wasn't the 0708 situation where everybody went out and were buying properties and gearing the properties. It wasn't anywhere close to that. And, and in fact, you know, businesses to this day are in good shape. What happened is, as, as, uh, is, comp uh, sorry, uh, sovereigns went out and borrowed. They're the ones who are overborrowed. Now they've got to be very careful because I, I, you can just feel it. We're not ready. To let go, we're not even close to being back to where we were uh, pre-pandemic. There's so many uncertainties, there's so many issues that are wrong, and that includes the supply chain issues and so on. You know, you can't ignore that. And I'm saying for governments now to start 
saying this is the end, you know, we've got to withdraw stimulus, I think it's a wrong time. I think it's going to do more damage than, than good, particularly because of those problems, because of those, um, you know, those, those mistimings. You can't get what you want when you want it. You know, you can't order it. So I, I'm saying from a central bank point of view, I know the damage. Just stay back a bit. Don't, don't start pushing this, uh, this need to get out. And, uh, and that's the way that we can stabilize things because uh, things are very uncertain at the moment. They certainly are. And certain amounts of uncertainty at the top of the English Premiership as well, David. What a game yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that Liverpool-Manchester City game yeah, just a glorious yeah. hour and a half yeah. of, of, of entertainment? Yeah. It was brilliant. I loved it. Mm. Now, I, I must say, from both sides' point of view, I thought Man City were brilliant. And when I say brilliant, the way that they handled the ball, their whole play, but they couldn't score. They just never had anybody up front there that can actually uh, fit, finish off their movements. You know, I know that they only had two real chances, which were both fluffed. But I mean, uh, normally a striker or a, a season striker makes himself available. You know, has has that kind of movement. And once it was nil nil at halftime, you knew, oh, oh, this is this is not going to be an easy uh, stroll for them. But listen, they came back. Admittedly, they came back very, you know, after being uh, down twice. I mean, Man City came back, but Liverpool also. They they they've got a, a forward line there as well. When they're on the go, you know, that both goals were brilliant. Really, were unbelievable really brilliant. goals from, from Liverpool. Uh, Mo Salah really uh, is maturing into something uh, that is uh, he, brilliant. He's in the top six players in the world that now. Threw ball, that threw ball to Mane. You yes. know, I mean, that was superb. It was the run yeah. of Mane because yeah. he went to, he was going yeah. to his left and then suddenly he switched to the right. And they, 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 there was a telepathy between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, David, good. the one thing that irritated me about that game yesterday was the fact that there's something called VAR, Video Assistant Ref, okay? Mm. And the fact that James Milner, who's a tough yeah, chap, yeah. didn't get three yeah. yellow cards is unbelievable. Obviously, he can't, but there were two other occasions. He got the one yeah. yellow card, but there were two other occasions that were blatant mm. yellow cards, and, yeah. they, and they weren't yeah. given, and that would have reduced Liverpool to 10 men for the last 15, 20 minutes, and they didn't do I it. Don't know. How do they he, not when he stuck look at it? Out, He's, did you see he stuck out his leg at the back and tripped this poor old uh, Foden, you know, yeah. Foden, Foden, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, he didn't he didn't run behind him. He stuck his leg out. You mm. know. It wasn't as though he tried to run behind him. He stuck. Now, I also just, it, it was, just, and also the penalty as well. You know, mm. the, there was a penalty call, which was, anyway. Um, oh, well, it was you, still, know, you don't know. I, that norm that normally used to happen at Man United. You know, <laughs> there were never any penalties at, <laughs> in front of Fergie. You know, I think people were so scared they were just absolutely petrified of what would follow. But uh, I agree with you, and I, and 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 Pep had reason to be, uh, you know, angry. He, he genuinely. He really did, and he was very passionate uh, about it and very magnanimous in the post-match yeah. interview as well. Anyway, David, thank you very much for your time, as always, okay. on Monday. That's David Shapiro from Sassoon Securities in Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.